In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the ghost, yeah, the goatkeeper, wow, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England zone, Van Helsink. And with me across from the pond is my favorite parapsychologist, next to Karen O'Keefe, in case she's listening, uh, none other than Cal Cooper. Hi, Ron. How are you Hello. doing? You okay? Hello. Hello. You okay? Ron? Hello. Can you Hello. hear me? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, there we go. Sorry if I keep cutting out. I'm uh, broadcasting from a different place this time in the UK. I'm at Norrie Miles' house, so <laughs> might come in and out. Oh, say hello to Norrie for me. I will do. I'll shout down. Ron says hello. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So anyway, anyways, Cal, I, I want to thank you so much for uh, filling in for me last year, uh, last week. Um, yeah, I'm all, you know what it is? Over here, we ha- we had that holiday. You know that holiday where uh, we uh, threw off the uh, reins of oppression and uh, got freedom. Uh, do you remember that one? Well, I don't know. Oh, wait a minute, you don't have that over there. I'm sorry about that. But anyways, so it kind of uh, it's a day off, so it kind of throws everything off. So it, it feels like Monday, but it's really Tuesday. So. Still with me? Yeah, you, you keep cutting out a little bit, but I'm not sure if it's um, the signal here. I, I uh-huh. caught most of it, except for what you said at the end. <laughs> Sorry. All right, that's fine. That's fine. So, so Cal, anyways, um, we keep getting strange voices. Okay. All right, so we are going to take uh, a little break from Cal because uh, we have a little bit of technical difficulties. But anyways, uh, I do want to mention one thing. Hello? Wow. Are you with me now? Cal? Yep, hello? Okay, here we go. Let's try this again. Holy crap. (laughs) So, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. Anyways, uh, thanks so much for filling in. And once again, your, your website is calcooper.com, I believe. So, anyways, um, we have an event coming up this weekend, which is a cruise, and it's a ghost cruise. And last time we did it, we uh, 
stop by one of the islands where there was a uh, shipwreck of a Spanish galleon, and uh, it, it happened in the winter time. And then the, the residents of the island actually found the bodies of the the sailors right outside their doors, where they had froze to death before they could get safety. So we tried an EVP there, and we actually uh, got an interesting one, which sounds like uh, we're saved boat. So, uh, coincidence, Cal, I, I know you do a lot with the uh, phone calls from the dead. How does that fit in there with it? Um, it if it was an EVP, I've been reading a lot into um, some people's early research just to help me along with kind of electronic communication in general that's supposedly from the dead. Uh, I've been reading back through a book by David Ellis, who was a student scholar at Trinity College, Cambridge, for a while just a couple of years who got to, uh, as a project, study EVP. And um, as he concluded, and as a lot of psychologists seem to think, that when we do hear static and distorted sound on the EVP, mm -hmm. maybe we are trying to make sense of something that sometimes is nonsensical. Um, one of um, my peers in the field who uh, passed away, sadly, a few weeks ago, John Randall, when I used to talk to him over the phone or via letters about phone calls from the dead, um, he always used to say it's hard to interpret any EVPs because, you know, we are trying to make this sense out of something that could be nonsense and we've got so many different languages and dialects to deal with. So right. if we hear the word mare, um, does that mean um, a horse or does that mean French for mother? Correct. It's hard to interpret, you know, what the words, if there are any words coming out, what do they mean? Are we dealing with different languages? And it could be a different language, but we're trying to make sense of it in terms of English. Um, it's very difficult. And also, um, where are they coming from as well? Are they um, stray radio transmissions? Is someone accidentally coughing or murmuring in the background and it's come out on tape and they didn't realise they were doing that at the time? Uh, so there are loads of things to take into consideration. Sometimes... Uh, when you go back to researchers like Dr. Konstantin uh, Radeva, um, he reported that sometimes he could have whole sentences um, spoken out in some of these EVPs that were quite clear. So that's totally different to just the odd one or two words that are mixed in with static. They're a lot clearer and maybe the sentence might make sense or it could be relevant to someone around the recording of the EVP. So... Um, uh, what what was the words that you said were reported again in this case? We we are we are saved, boat. Three words. We are saved. And did a group of people kind of listen back to it and then decide what the words were, or were, were they very distinct and clear? They were fairly clear. Uh, did they listen back to it? Yes. Did we do it like a blind test on it? No, because it was actually on the boat as it was happening. So, uh, and plus, and it was an event, event. So it wasn't like it was um, research. You know, where where we would. Because I, I agree 100 percent. When you do an EVP, you should listen to it yourself and either write down or just note whatever you think it says and let someone else listen to it without putting their thought of what that might be in their mind. So, Absolutely. Right. I agree 100% with that. And I do agree that there are also um, 
tends to be a lot of the the class C and class B, which are really open for a lot of interpretation, and and people are throwing throwing those around so much like they're absolute proof, and it, it really kind of bothers me in a way. Hmm. Um, it, it is difficult to decipher what they are in the first place. And I don't think we should kind of start running before we can walk and say that, oh, they're absolute uh-huh. proof of communication um, with the dead, or you've set up as a recording device and you've got noises, cracks, bangs, and possible whispers that we can't decipher, but we might right. put two and two together and try and make sense of, again, something that could indeed be nonsense. It might not be. It, it might be some genuine anomalous voice that's coming through and um, maybe it is contact with the dead but on the other hand when we're looking for the rational explanations there are many that we've got to consider first and when you listen to probably 99 percent of evps they are very hard to decipher as to what's being said what's going on and then you've got to look back at the conditions in which they were recorded i've seen many groups that probably do evp experiments but in the sense that someone in the group will walk around holding a digital um, MP3 recorder in their hand instead of leaving it on a table in a closed room, say. And if they're moving about with it in their hand, you know, you've got the hand ruffling against the microphone, you've got the group coughing and the footsteps and maybe talking to each other. And they listen back and they try and pick out words within possible conversations throughout the night that they don't recall having or a voice that doesn't seem to match one of the group members. Um, there lies the problem, Cal, because... If you go with the definition of an EVP as the spirit manifesting its voice on the white noise or recorder, then the the effect of carrying it with a phone, I mean carrying a, a recorder in your hand and creating white white noise in itself, may not be a bad thing for spirit communication. If you if you get where I'm saying, yes, it, it, it kind of uh, uh, affects the outcome of it in that you're saying, oh yeah, this is this little blip could be that. But if if you get a clear like a, a class A EVP from that, then uh, uh, it's kind of hard uh, to totally discredit it. Mm. Well, for, for any of the um, uh, viewers, uh, listeners listening in on the show, sorry, uh, viewers, I don't know what they'd be watching. Maybe they're picturing us talking. <laughs> well, eventually we're going that way. The show will be broadcast uh, video-wise. Oh, oh fantastic. But um, yeah. for listeners anyway that are um, researchers or paranormal investigators that are interested in EVP, I suggest one of the um, interesting things to try out if you have been sticking to digital recorders or maybe dictaphones, which were the tape, um, miniature tapes um, that you put in to record. See if you can track down an old reel-to-reel recorder, because that's what I've done. I'm going to try some experiments with that. You can still get the tape on eBay quite easily. Get a brand new one that's sealed in the box so you know that no one's tampered with it. And on the investigation night, sit down, note who the investigators are, note the conditions in which you record it, and see if you, you know, what the difference is between doing EVPs the traditional way on the old reel-to-reel magnetic tape, which very rarely produce static and um, white noise, compared to the digital MP3. So is a digitized voice compared to the magnetic recorded voices that you get, are they different in any way when you test it in um, different places? I mean, I'd be interested to hear of any of the listeners' comments if they go out and have a go at that. Yeah, that's that's a really good point um, because everybody is going digital, and 
I can see the if you go back to the tape. It's I mean, of course, the, the problem with this is you do have to use a you know a fresh tape uh, at all times because you can get playthrough from from uh, a used tape. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, as I say, you know, um, I managed to track some tapes down on eBay, and you're not really um, forking out a lot of money for. Um, some of these tapes considering how much space you've got to record on it and if you are a serious investigator it'd be useful to write on the tape with the sticky label where the investigation was sign and date it and then just keep a file of you know your best EVPs I mean maybe if there was nothing on it you could send it somewhere to actually be wiped and um, have it used again but um, I don't know it's an interesting project to try it's only just started to run through my mind in the um, past few weeks since I actually managed to find an old reel-to-reel recorder and I thought that would be a good idea to test kind of the old ways that people went about doing it it's, it's not a bad idea I, I know that uh, when uh, oh god I can't think of their names now uh, they used to run the American EVP Association uh, but what they would do is they would actually tape, uh, videotape their EVP sessions, and if they picked up any voices on the the tape, uh, they would discount them as an EVP totally. Hmm. Was that um, Tom and Lisa Butler? By Thank you very much. Uh, right. Yeah, that's exactly who it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've read through their um, book. It's quite interesting, especially with the... Um, ITC, the instrumental transcommunication transcommunication work that they did with the filming a television screen that's on the um, static point right. on the channel, yeah, and um, matching up the faces to pictures of photographs of people before uh, they passed away, and then possibly seeing them again afterwards in this sort of afterlife. Why they appear on the telly, I don't know, or how, but it's certainly interesting when you look at those photos as well. But um, they're, they're regularly publishing their research in the Journal of Spirituality and Paranormal Studies, um, be it on medium sittings and also on EVP. So that they're certainly um, keeping at it. I, I agree. And, uh, you know, it goes... I mean, there's so much uh, research being done. I, I know that uh, if Jim was here, and I can't re- remember the person's name, but someone in Brazil is actually using uh, a like a, all these phonetic sounds and allowing the spirits supposedly to recreate words using a uh, phonetic sound tape. All right. Uh, I read through some of those with various um, countries that were trying different forms of EVP, and um, I I did mention this in one of my earlier papers on phone call phenomena, just to show the difference between uh, phone calls from the dead and experiences of EVP. And um, there were some people, I think it was in Brazil, where um, a a lady, for example, believed that she could actually contact um, people's children that had passed over through her computer which she could set up to record EVPs and then she'd invite the family over for a recording session they'd have a list of questions that they want to ask their child who's passed away and then she'd wait for the computer uh, to record and then she'd play back the voice and apparently they'd hear a child's voice on the computer answering each of these questions um, that they put to the computer or in her house and she'd tried it in different locations, she'd tried it in different countries and apparently it only worked from her computer at her home but the parents were convinced that what they were getting back was their child's voice and the correct 
answers to the questions. Uh, but it makes you so sceptical as to why would it only work in her house, why would it only work with her computer? Um, but at the same time, you're thinking, well, how specific are these questions? Are they so specific that they would only apply to that person's child, or could that apply to many different people's children? Um, also, how sure can they be that it was actually their child's voice? Are they, are they psychologically um, still grieving and they really want to hear their child? So it might be a similar voice and they'll let it pass as their child's voice, but maybe it wasn't. There's so many things to consider. But th this is another form of EVP, for example. You've got other ones where people did great sittings where loads of people would flock about from the country to come and listen to them and they'd set up a radio, tune it to an area of random static and everyone would hear these voices coming through quite clearly and people would shout out questions and they'd get answers and responses and um, when you read back through some of these they're quite fantastic and there's very few of these kind of sittings and experiments going on there Yeah, I mean everybody's looking at different ways of uh communicating and you know EVP when it first came out was really really you know people were in awe of it uh, but it's kind of lost some of its glamour and so it tends to be a uh, a gravitation towards uh, things like the PX box, the ghost box, and stuff like that uh, I don't think it uh, scientific Typically, wise. We got some weird noises coming through this thing. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, I don't think scientifically uh, it's any better. It's just uh, different. It's it's new and more glamorous, I guess. Mm. I think a lot of people also don't realize that the, the original discoverer of EVP was one of the researchers of phone calls from the dead. Um, back in 1959, Raymond Bayliss from California, he discovered. Um, electronic voice phenomena, which um, he he did research with a medium called Attila von Seeley, or Slaley, um, however people choose to pronounce it. And throughout the 1950s, they were doing tests where the medium would sit in um, a soundproof box in a flat that they rented out as a research lab slash studio, and they'd set up the recorder to um, record. Um, periods of sessions, maybe about 20 minutes at a time, and when they played it back they'd hear random taps or whispers that the two of them couldn't account for because they were watching each other throughout the whole of the session, there was no one else in the room and these were the only two people doing these experiments, and then later D. Scott Roger, who also um, wrote the book Phone Calls from the Dead he joined them when uh -huh. he was about 18 to do these experiments and, um, but initially Raymond Bayless published that in 1959 in the Journal of the American Society for Psychical Research. And no one really actually paid attention to it. And all of a sudden, Frederick Jurgensen came out of um, uh, nowhere and said that he discovered it uh, three months later, and everyone kind of named him as the discoverer. I think that's, that's true. A bit, it's a bit unfair sometimes, because um, Bayliss doesn't really get the credit that he deserves, because he, he wrote a four-page little article to the editor. And... Um, no one really seemed to take note of what he discovered. He didn't really know what to make of it, but at least he'd, he'd written a report on what he'd found. But um, And then you got Jurgensen, and uh, Raudover followed that up afterwards, and then it expanded into all the different researchers that we have today that have tried different methods. It's got an interesting history, even though it's not been about for very long. It does, and... Uh you know, as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, in fact, you mentioned in the beginning of the show, is, is a lot of people don't really understand uh, 
where EVPs are coming from. I mean, if you believe in them as, as a spirit's voice manifestation, but there are other theories as well. And, and are you familiar with some of those? Um, some of them. Which, which theories were you implying? Go on, hit me with the kind of theories that you're familiar with. Well, for instance, you, you mentioned uh, um, random voice uh uh, what's what's the word on on the airwaves, uh, radio waves, or whatever, something like that? I believe you mentioned that, right? Stray um, channels or radio waves, or it could even exactly. Uh, yeah, we um, also thought that in one case at Clifton Hall, when we were researching there, doing a haunting investigation, we were getting our walkie-talkies that we were carrying about. Actually, I'll tell you the whole story. It's it's quite interesting. We we were just setting up some trigger objects on the top floor. And uh, there was only myself and two investigators on the first night just checking out the place and becoming familiar with it. And we went down the servant's staircase and we had to open the door. It was a very tight spiral staircase and we just put the cameras on pause for a second. Totally dark, we were carrying torches about. It's probably about 12 o'clock at night. And as we got to the bottom of the stairs, which opened out onto this grand landing and massive staircase down to this um, <clears throat> spectacular hallway, all of our walkie-talkies that we were carrying on us in case all three of us split up, the static started going on, all of them, one after the other, mine, then Paul's, then Richard's. And I took mine off, and I pressed the button to actually uh, send a message, and I said, is anyone there? And I let go of the button, and then all of a sudden a voice came through and said, we know you're alone in there. And then all static started coming through again, and bits of voices here and there that we couldn't make sense of. And we thought, well, we're in the... Middle of nowhere, the hall is on the very edge of the Clifton Estate in Nottingham, um, but it's nowhere near main roads. But we thought, you know, what could actually interfere with the walkie-talkies? Can there be maybe stray taxi radio transmissions that could interfere with it? I don't know, um, but it's a possibility. That's something we looked into. Um, we could never figure out where the voice came from at all. It, it was left unexplained. There was... It, we couldn't really say yes it was paranormal because it wasn't possible for us to eliminate who said that over a possible taxi radio at the same time but it was certainly interesting and very freaky at the time but it could be it could be stray radio waves but how do they get recorded in the first place on EVPs for example right and the other question is, how can they answer specific questions because uh, you know real good EVPs will answer a specific question. In other words, if, if you ask a question, you will get a response to it. Mm. Yeah, I, I was looking into that That would kind of be live EVP, which I find is probably the closest to phone calls from the dead. If anyone thinks they're similar, I'd say that's the closest. If you think you're getting instant feedback, then you've got this two-way communication. Um, I was wondering, did you come across um, Mark um, Cowden's book, I think it is, called Spirit Voices, he's just done? Because that's claimed. Not. Oh well, that, that, that's recently come out um, by Anomalous Books, and that's claimed to be the first documented case of live EVP. There are quite a few, but this is one where the, not only were they recording it and they had a medium there to ask the questions, and the EVP was supposedly giving an instant reply. They were also filming it for live television, I believe. So um, it, it's quite an interesting case. I still haven't fully read into it, but all these ones where they're claiming you've got instant feedback, which is clear. It is really quite interesting because you wonder whether it goes beyond coincidence, the feedback that you're getting. Right. Uh, but then that brings up to another theory of what EVP is, and that's actually not the manifestation of a spirit, but perhaps 
manifestation of the person asking the questions. And in this case, with a medium there, uh, that would increase the likelihood of that happening. Yes, absolutely. Some people have thought that EVPs could actually be down to the experiment themselves and the questions that they're asking, and somehow psychokinetically or telekinetically, where we influence the environment via our mind, or most people are familiar of this ability being due to spoon bending, somehow we're sending our thoughts onto the tape and getting our responses kind of um, recorded on there um, psychokinetically. And some people, I think it was with the skull experiment, um, or the skull report, as some people um, also call it. There was um, 35 millimeter uh, camera film that was left in parts, and some people were asked in some investigations to um, focus their thoughts and impressions on this blank uh, roll of film. And I think in the um, skull experiment, I could be totally wrong because I haven't fully read into it, but I think they left some of these rolls in certain locations. Uh, just to see what happened. And when they developed it, there were strange images or words that were coming out on the photographic film, which is interesting. But that would, again, relate to eight, uh, the EVPs, if indeed people's impressions are being recorded on the film. Again, an another weird thing which is extremely hard to explain... <laughs> But freaky, nonetheless. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I believe it was... Uh, oh, God, I am so bad with names. <laughs> I need a, a spirit just to... Uh, you know what You know what I need? I need Derek, a correct spirit guide, Sam, there to, uh, you know, whisper in my ear and tell me who all these names I should remember. <laughs> but but there was a, uh, a, uh, a famous uh, psychic from uh, California, and he passed away... And the Polaroid uh, films he used to take would actually have words written on them, which, which is basically instant EDP only written instead of uh, audio. That is unusual. I, I don't think I've ever heard of that case. Did he follow that up with a, a, a book showing all the different photographs that he'd done, or was this just something it, he was it, doing? It's even better than that. There's actually a, a TV uh, show. I believe it was... Oh, God. Here we go again. Unexplained Mysteries, I think it did. Uh, and I will try to find his name, because it's driving me nuts. But any, it, it, it's, it's a well-documented case. They actually brought people in from Polaroid. Now, now you, you're familiar with Polaroid film correct oh yeah yeah absolutely it's it's instant you know it takes a little a few seconds to develop but it's it's instantly developing and in, in that it instantly is a period of time but so they would take these pictures and they actually had people from Polaroid come in with fresh film so there was no uh, hanky-panky or anything with it and loaded in the camera and they took it and the spirit would actually write messages on the film when it as it developed and what would you reckon that is? If you were looking for rational explanations, how would you explain that? I couldn't explain it. Absolutely couldn't. I mean, I, I've looked at that case many times, and uh, I just cannot explain, if if it was a trick, a poly trick, uh, how they did it. And uh, I really can't. Mm. Did they have independent witnesses to actually check oh, yeah. the new facts that were put into the camera of the film? It's, it's, yes, they did. The, the, the thing about this case, too, it wasn't like, you know, they did it once and then it happened. This went on for a long period of time. Hmm. And, 
uh, it, it, you know, it's really an interesting case. I mean, I, I, I've seen it several times. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the name of the show is. Uh, not Unexplained Mysteries, but another one. I'm sure I have it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great case. And, and maybe when you come over here in, uh, in the fall, then I can actually dig that up for you so you can take a look at it. Oh, yes, please do. That'd be great. <laughs> Anyways, we have to take a break right now. Can you hold up the same uh, half hour with us? Yeah, that's no problem. Okay, we'll be right back after the following messages on Pararex, Tokinet, Ghost Hill, and Beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Pararex family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Alright. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, I'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Cal Hooper and Ron Kolick. Uh, Cal, um, you can't hear these, the noises that are coming over the line at all, can you? Um, I was hearing it at the first, but now I've moved into a different room and I can't hear it so much. But you do keep coming in and out a little bit, so I'm setting up my other laptop just in case my version of Skype works better than the one that I'm on. I mean, we were talking a little bit about visual uh, EVPs, and, and I'm definitely going to dig up some more information on that particular uh, case. But we have so, we have somebody with us now, I believe, in the line who, I guess, sees the spirit and is able to draw them, which is, well, not yet, evidently. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating case, and uh, it, it's a. I, I can't. It, I think his name is Randy or something or other. But he's a, he's got a big mustache. He's a he's been a well-known psychic. He passed away. He did. He was huge on the Queen Mary. Uh, used to do a lot of things with the Queen Mary. But uh, he was the one that was involved in that case. But originally. Uh, 
uh, it was just the gentleman who owned the uh, the place. Uh-huh. But once again, it was it was writing. It wasn't like it was, uh, uh, you know, you scratches where you couldn't see what it really was. It was clear writing. Yeah, I, I've never seen versions like that. The only thing I can think of, uh, kind of similar to that, is poltergeist cases such as like in Ball Directory and some other famous ones where you would say, ask a question and come back and it was written on the wall in, mm-hmm. in charcoal or something like that. I also remember the in the book Vertical Plane, um, one of um, my fellow members of the SPR, in fact, um, in the 1980s, she was getting two-way communication um, from the 1980s through to a man that was in the um, 16th century or something like that over the old BBC computer and every time they left a message they got one in response on the computer and this is way before the internet as well so it's sort of an I, I don't know how you can describe it whether it's an email from the dead or whether it's live communication through um, through time it's bizarre Mm. Uh, I mean, that's the that's the great thing about the paranormal is is everything. Every time we think we got it figured out, uh, they always throw something different at us, something a new uh, curveball. Oh, Raymond Bayless always used to say that. He said the more cases of phone calls from the dead, for example, that we find, the more complicated it's only going to become. <laughs> I yeah, think that's so all that, for but anyways, we are now joined by uh, a, a, a well, another gentleman from the UK, and I believe he's an acquaintance of yours as well. He is a psychic artist. He, he was formerly on uh, the TV show Most Haunted, which was one of my favorite shows, I have to admit it. Uh, he is Brian Shepard. Hi, and how are you? How are you tonight? Hi, Brian. How you doing? <laughs> well, I'm good, Tom. Uh, yeah, I'm... Um, uh, <laughs> Hi, Cal. I'm 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 fine, thank you. Yeah. And, and you know, I know that you went through some health issues, but you are feeling much stronger. And uh, uh, Ron, yes, and thanks for asking. Um, I certainly did. Um, and and yeah, I'm feeling a lot stronger now. I'm I'm getting there, so to speak. Um, getting back on track. Yeah. So the question I have to ask, and and it's only because being the curious person I am, is when you went through this experience, uh, did it affect you psychically or not? Um, yeah, uh, to, to, to a certain degree it did. During the initial stages of, I mean, uh, let, let's just say it, I had a heart attack. And and during that time, I did have, I mean, people have asked me if I had kind of out-of-body experiences and, and right. things like that. Um, and, I, and I certainly did have um, an experience while this, <laughs> excuse me, while this was going on, um, in that, you know, I really did feel that I'd left my physical body, if you like, and, and, and was looking down on it. Um, Having said that, there was, there was, certain, there was a, a large part of me which was, was kind of telling me that, in a way, it, although this was something awful happening, that it was okay because, you, you know, in other words, I wasn't going to die. I wasn't going to let go. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't okay. know if that makes a lot of sense to you. It does. Uh, it does. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and I certainly came round and... and, and 
you know, before medical help uh, arrived, I actually felt, you know, quite a lot better. Really? Yeah. Um, I, you know, to the point where, you know, when um, paramedics turned up, um, I kind of felt a bit of a fraud, really. Um, uh, yeah. Um, obviously, that wasn't that wasn't the case because I'm right. on, on being, you know, immediately checked out. Um, I, I was uh, rushed into hospital, and um, and indeed, I'd, I'd had a heart attack and needed uh, a surgical intervention. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a hell of an experience. Um, <laughs> not one I want to repeat, I might right. quickly add. Um, but so, you know, you know what's interesting, Brian, yeah, that. is that I had uh, two experiences that I believe is near-death experiences, and because I had several things that had occurred to me, and yeah. in each time, uh, I really can't explain it. The only way I can say is, is possibly it was the drugs that they had given me, and that's all I can say. But they were so similar and had the same feelings attached to them that uh, I found that interesting. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Well, as I say, that's that's the way it affected me. It was very, it was very much in the initial stages of actually, um, uh, you, you, you know, having having this this, this heart attack um, that I felt that way. I mean, later on, when I was admitted to um, to, to, to hospital, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I mean, things were happening so fast anyway, in a physical sense, that, you know. Right. Uh, nothing else, I mean. Yeah, Cal, are you still with us, by the way? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm just got onto another laptop, and I'm fiddling about with it, so I'm, I only ca uh, caught half the conversation, but I kind of caught the gist. I'm so sorry, guys, but, um, yeah, I, I, I did hear um, about both of you guys have uh, kind of had a sort of personal experience. Um, right. With, with these um, conditions, but it is quite um, interesting as to whether with Brian it has actually affected his abilities. Did, did either of you have the classic sort of maybe near-death experience or sort of a bit of an out-of-body experience or anything like that? Um, we, we had oh. different, I would think, uh, Brian. Yeah, so it, well, it sounds that way. As I say, um, it, it was like that, uh, Cal, as you, you know, asked that question. Um, as I say, when one feels though you've partially departed from your physical body and you're looking down on it, if you like. Um, but as I say, there were, there were part of my brain telling me that it, it was sort of okay in a way because, you know, I wasn't going to let go completely. And indeed, yeah. thankfully, that's, that's indeed what happened. Um, the interesting thing about my and Brian is that I never had that classic one where I was floating above my body or whatever. I was right. someplace else, which would have been ideal for you being an artist. You could have actually have drawn what I actually experienced, which have been, would have been awesome. But, uh, you know, I have no talent. I can barely write. Never mind. Yeah. Well, I can't write, Ron, but I can draw a little bit. <laughs> sort of being flippant. <laughs> so, so Cal, as you can see, we both had different experiences. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. 
it's almost like a with the, with the out of body experience you have got this sort of invisible cord that's kind of attaching um uh, attached to your sort of i don't know if you want to call it this this version of you that's looking down on you and it's not letting you go as you said brian yeah well that's that's that's, that's absolutely kind of sums it up carl really i, su- I suppose <laughs> I, I mean what what interests me in a way is is is, is how you know, these two experiences, i.e. the one that I've had and the one that Ron's had, because I, I do believe, Ron, you had a very similar situation. Um, I, what, what interests me is, in a way, where did you go, if you like, during this experience that you had? Right. Um, where did your mind go, if you like? Um, what was it like? Okay, you, you're, not, you're not an artist, and... Uh, uh, so you're not going to be able to draw that, but you know, it certainly interests me. I'd like to know. The, the the interesting thing about it is, as I mentioned, it, it happened twice to me. Uh, it, it, I had two ailments that I I went through, and um, the, the yeah. first, if you're going to talk about feelings, uh, there's a, there's a Madonna song from the, around it. It's called like a prayer, and there's a line in it that says it feels like home, and and that's the feeling. If I had to sum it up in one word, it it would be it. It felt like home. It felt very comfortable, and and. Uh, uh, you know, welcoming uh, the first one, especially. Uh, you know, it was it was very warm where I was. It was very bright, and there were. Uh, I, I I can't say you know exactly. They they were shapes of of human shapes, you know, all in white, and there was there was like uh, music as well. Uh, almost, yeah, I hate you know it's so trite when I bring this, but almost angelic music where it's it was so soothing and so relaxing. This music was, and and yet the 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 whole thing just totally disappeared on oh. me, like the closing of an iris. Uh, the, the bright light and everything was just totally gone, and I was in the, the dim lit of the ICU. There was no music or anything. It was just the beat of my heart on the ICU, on the monitor, and there, were, there was absolutely no one around. So it was, you know, totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but, but I do understand that feeling of comfort, that feeling of almost being home, even though, even though you're not, if you see what right. I mean. And, exactly. and if you think of life and death, the danger of actually accepting that as being a home, do you think then perhaps, you know, if we were, if you had been seduced enough to think, well, that's it, I'm here now, you wouldn't, you would have actually died, if you like. Hmm. But, that's an interesting thing. But something actually, but something actually. Hello? Hello? Oh, we're losing somebody. You know, you, you know, there was a comfort zone there that you, that you, 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 you appealing. You felt that you belonged in, in right. if you like. Um, but that could indeed have been the other side. It, it very well could have been, uh, and. I mean, as as a paranormal investigator, it's so interesting, I think, because you look back at it more analytical. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, you know, oh, geez, I had a recorder going, or or if I had a video, but you you don't. I mean, and I never told anyone for years and years because... uh, 
I wasn't really sure, and then one, that's one of the reasons I got into the paranormal is is because, you know, what was this experience I have? Was it was it drugs? Was it the drugs that gave me? Was it anesthesia? You know, I had, uh, you know, I'm not. I wasn't really sure, uh, but then I, I had the experience again. Uh, at another time, so I mean, when I, whenever I go, and it seems like I go a lot now. It's I have no fear of going for a surgery or anything now because you know I either come back or I won't, and it, I don't fear death anymore. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I, I kind of understand that. Is it, um, it, you know, in a very logical state? Um, I, I, it's not something I particularly, uh, as I said earlier, want to go through again. Um, but I, I do understand the inevitability of, you know, situations and overcoming that fear of them, you know. And as you say, you know, if everything, anything did happen again, um, you, you know, perhaps one wouldn't have that fear. It's either going to happen or it's not. Right. There was um, a guy with a near-death experience where uh, well, it was an actual Cal. experience. In fact, he passed away um, when he was in hospital and they sent him down to the uh, morgue. That, yeah. Cal, we, we, we can't Hello? hear you. You're, break, you're breaking up on us. Hello, yeah, can you right. hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Right, okay. Yeah, the, there was a guy passed away in hospital and they sent him down to the morgue and they put him in the refrigeration unit. And for three days he was there, his um, autopsy was delayed. And just as they brought him out of the fridge and they were just about to put the scalpel to him, his eyes, which were already frosted over, opened up and they had to rush him back into theatre because this guy had suddenly woken up after spending three days dead in the freezer. And when he recalled his... Um, actual death experience, he said that he felt in, interconnected with life, everything made sense, and just had this experience of being in a, a big white room with bubbles all around him, and it was just a, a sense of um, peace and comfort and that everything was okay. Um, in that case, you haven't got the report of what it was like to actually go through the dying process. It was a report of what it was like to be dead, which was quite interesting. Um, but there are a lot of cases where people that um, say have these near-death experiences where they are experiencing comfort and um, no pain and, and just a total sense that everything will be fine. The panic issue is kind of not there anymore, which yeah. is um, really quite interesting. Um, as you said, Ron, with, with the, when you mentioned the drugs, you've got to question in terms of psychology, is it the drugs that kind of do this? But what oh, about absolutely. You, you have to think about that. Yeah. It, um, what about these cases where, um, as yourself, Brian, it just happened and you're not actually on medication, it just happens. What's the experience then? It hasn't been prompted by drugs. The brain's just making sense of the situation it's having to deal with. Yeah. And yeah. Um, again, you've still got this kind of hold on, everything's going to be okay. Um, even, yeah, well, that's even what. Situation's confusing. Yeah. 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 Um, no, that was it. That, 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 I mean, that to a large degree was was why it was quite interesting because you know it was in the initial stages of of the illness, if you like, the situation, um, and and I hadn't I hadn't had any drugs. Of course, I hadn't. I hadn't had any anesthesia. Of course, I hadn't. All that came all that came later. 
and that might indeed attribute to to a lot of things, you, you know. But uh, but as I say, it's quite interesting. You, you, you know, when you when you talk just now about the guy who had been put it had died and put in the mortuary and into it. Right. I, I just, uh, in my last radio yeah. show on uh, last Wednesday had... night, I, re I read a uh, report about a Russian woman who uh, died of a heart attack, and they actually put her in a coffin and everything else, and uh, evidently yeah. didn't embalm her, and then supposedly she woke up and died of a heart attack. Again. <laughs> That's... That just seems wrong, doesn't it? That just seems so wrong. <laughs> I, I kind of want my money back. <laughs> you know. There was somewhere in Europe, I think, where this kept happening, where they kept putting people in coffins and burying them. And I think that there was a case where they had to dig someone up again for um, a further autopsy tests. And it turns out when, since the guy had been in the coffin, he had actually tried to get his way out. So they thought, oh, my God, we've been burying people alive. So uh -huh. this whole graveyard, particular one, um, had coffins where there were bars fitted at the end, which had an alarm on the gravestone, and there'd be a graveyard warden to actually run over with a spade and <laughs> dig up the person where the grave was actually setting off an alarm because someone was in there kicking and trying to get out. Actually, and, Kel, uh, that's, that's not uncommon. Uh, there happened many times uh, in many cases. Uh, they used to attach bells to the coffins. Uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of uh, people used to monitor. That's where the, the, the uh, graveyard shift came from. Uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not uncommon at that time because they didn't do a lot of embalming. So, I mean, uh, it was possible to bury people alive, especially when they didn't understand medicine. So people could go into comers and yeah. uh, come out of them. So. Yeah, indeed, I've heard this. I've heard this a lot. You know, where people, of course, were terrified of being interned uh, alive, and of course, it, a lot of that, yeah, was medically uh, down to ignorance. So they absolutely. Mm. I, I do have to tell you guys about right, right, an interesting right. thing that Maureen, Maureen uh, is, 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 she's a trans medium who I work with for about 10 years, and uh, we actually have this uh, signal, I guess you would say, that if either one of us passes, uh, you know, ahead of the other, we, we have this uh, sign that we're supposed to look for to let uh, the other know that they're okay. Whoa, that's 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 very interesting premise. That uh, maybe we should get together and uh, form this uh, this pack, Ron. <laughs> so. You know, it's interesting. I, I, as I said that, I was actually thinking because here we have Cal, who deals a lot with the phone calls from the dead and so forth, and and you, yeah. Brian, who is a, a psychic artist. I mean, that would be uh, that would be pretty pretty amazing. Uh, what what could be done between the three of us if? Uh, of course, I don't know who's volunteering to go for us. <laughs> yeah. I had uh, a, who knows? Another, I had another case come through, interestingly enough, today, and I tried to follow that up. Um, the guy reported it in 1994, and it was um, supposedly his mother that came through. And uh, I, I just had to ring up a few hours ago his original contact details to check it out, and I've missed the guy by about five years as he's passed away as well. So, oh, so. <laughs> Mm. Very annoying. 
But um, interesting case, though, nonetheless. So he said it didn't last very long, but he was absolutely adamant that it was his mother. Well, it's a, mm. uh, it's an incredible story, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, Brian, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're... But, but having said that, having yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame he checked out when he did because, you know, and you didn't get chance to uh, fully check that one out. Yeah, it's just an overview of um, basically what he wrote down of what happened. He hasn't actually yeah. provided any of the actual content of the conversation, which is a shame. And I can't actually follow it up and interview him. But um, it, it's nice when these little cases do actually finally crop up because I've really been struggling to get hold of some of these um, cases. But in a lot of them, you think, well, maybe it's a prank. Um, but everyone knows the voice of their own mother. And this guy was really adamant but still I, I i spoke to his wife earlier and she said she heard about it at the time and yeah. she wasn't sure what to make of it she did consider whether it was a prank or not but um they, they just had to accept that it happened and they kind of left it there apparently hmm. yeah. the, the the interesting thing though is is even in evps and we talked about this earlier uh i don't think brian has that much of a problem because he does have that you know he is a medium he is a psychic but uh, a lot of people will hear an EVP. Uh, for instance, um, Karen Mossy used to be my EVP specialist for doing Ghost Project, and she recorded an EVP. That's, it's a class A. It's, it's, it's clear. It says, I love you. And everyone who listens to it can hear it without being prompted or everything. It was it was uh, used in the movie White Noise. It was also used in the Ghost Whisper. But so given that, but she says that that's her father's voice who passed. But I listened to that, and there's no way that I can get that from it. So is this where our own personal uh, experiences are coming in? Is it something that tells us? mentally or psychically, Brian, that, that this is that particular person? Yeah, I think it is. It, it, it's, it's like anything else. I suppose it's, we all um, interpret things, whatever they might be, in different ways. Um, and some people have uh, uh, um, increased, I don't know, ability, if you like. Uh, but... Um, Uh-oh. Brian, I think you there. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. Um, am I? Am I still on? <laughs> yeah, we we lost your last uh, train of thought there. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I I feel I always know, you know, um, that that what I'm hearing is 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 what I'm hearing, if you like, you know. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's not up to interpretation, but. Um, but it's an interesting thing, as I say. We all we all um, we all very much interpret interpret things in different ways, and our senses come into play. Uh, a lot has to would in my case, a lot has to do with that. You, you know, the senses that I have, um, and how I perceive things. Um, so yeah, I don't have any doubts that uh, that it, it exists, and people have heard what they've heard. You, you know, and and it it, it, it it's it, it's true. It's you know. Hmm. So I, I know that we're running, running out of time, and I do want to mention, Brian, that you also do private sessions, for instance, uh, for people who uh, you you can draw pictures of spirits that have passed. And if anybody wants to find any more information about you, Brian, where can, where can they find that? Uh, uh, well, on my website, brianshepherd.com. Okay. And 
Of course, Cal Cooper, you can find it at calcooper.com. That makes it nice and easy, doesn't it? <laughs> I've also got a, a bit of a request. I have um, another fellow parapsychologist. She's doing research at Coventry University. Into Just anybody that's had a strange or paranormal experience, she's looking for people to fill in her survey on strange experiences. And it's very simple to do. And it's a very simple, easy website to remember. Just go to strangesurvey.com. And please, Philip, and you, you'll be helping someone out with their PhD, and they'll be very grateful for um, for your contributions to the survey. Strangesurvey.com? Yeah, that's right. Strangesurvey.com. Yeah, I'll bring that up in tomorrow, tomorrow's show as well, so uh, hopefully Brilliant. we can That'll get be the great. word out really appreciate it. It's Becky Smith's research. Becky Smith's research. Okay. There you go. So uh, I know we're running out of time. Brian, anything else you want to add? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I, I thank everyone uh, for their concern and, and, their best, and their best wishes, when, you know, through my illness. Just let me say that because I'm very touched by that. Um, also, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing you uh, later on in the year. I hope, that's, I hope that holds good and, yeah. and we get that opportunity because that that's, all sounds very exciting. Um, you, you've never been, have say, you ever been to the States, Brian? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, New England. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really? In there. Um, I, I've been. I've been. I've been. Well, there's lots of places in the states I haven't been, but. Uh, uh oh. Oh, it lost him again. <laughs> Don't you love Skype? You know, ever since uh, who bought who bought Skype's Google or somebody? Uh, I forget who bought it, but uh, ever since they bought it, it's been getting worse. <laughs> well, Brian. <laughs> Can't tell if you're still here or not, but we want to thank you so much for for being on the uh, with us today, and I look forward to meeting you. Uh, and once again, uh, I, I'm just totally enthralled with the uh, psychic artist thing. I think that's we, we'll have to we, we'll have to figure out an experiment that that we can coordinate the three of us together to work on. We, yeah, we must do that. Absolutely. Yeah, ab- yes, right. You're you're right. Absolutely, we we, we should do yeah, that. that makes- organize something. Yeah. All right, so, Cal, um, anything you want to end up, finish up with? We'll get our thinking cap. <laughs> um, uh, no, that's about it, apart from the um, strange survey. Um, once again, if there are any new listeners that haven't listened to me um, before, again, just uh, if you have had any strange experiences involving telephone calls, that um, you can think of or you've heard of someone that has, please go to my website and email me through there. I'd love to hear from you. But um, apart from that, I'm looking forward to seeing both you guys soon. Uh, hopefully, uh, I think I'll be seeing Brian sooner, but it'd be great coming over to the States, doing some experiments and just hanging out with um, all of us together. It'd be great. Excellent. And I, I do want to mention one thing myself is we are doing a ghost cruise this Saturday, a uh, three-hour cruise, just like on Gilligan's Island. Uh, for, so uh, that's going to be, if you go to our website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, you can get all the information there. So we want to thank all our listeners on Pararex, on uh, TojiNet, Ghost Channel, and beyond, and uh Tune in tomorrow night when uh, for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. Thank you very much. Okay, cheers, Ron. Cheers, Brian. Bye-bye. Take care. Goodbye, all.
goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bumpy in the night. Deliver us. <laughs>